Good morning, Zion. Today, I am your guest speaker. I wanted to start off, I wanted to thank you guys for giving me the honor uh, of just guiding us through God's word today. Uh, but before we get started, I wanted to start off sharing my testimony with you. Uh, because I think it's important for you guys to know who you're listening to, right? They gave me a mic, but I want you guys to know where I come from and uh, just my testimony. So, uh, I was born and raised right here in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So this is my hood. Uh, <laughs> unlike Pastor Justin, I was not raised as a Christian. So my parents did not go to church. Uh, my family, most of them still don't go to church. So I wasn't brought up, you know, learning the scriptures or really much of anything about God. Uh, in high school, my friend invited me to her church all the way in Sheepshead Bay. And for some reason, I went. <laughs> all the way in Sheepshead Bay, apparently it was to her youth group. So I was 16 years old, and I went, and I went like a teenage skeptic. <laughs> I argued with the youth leader. I was like, yo, I think you guys just made up God. You know, he's just this imaginary thing. Something good happens in your life. Or you pass this test. You got this job. Oh, praise God. Something bad happens in your life. It's like, we don't talk about that. <laughs> So I would argue with the youth leader, but uh, youth group was fun. So I kept going week after week. And after a year, the youth leader asked me, hey, has anyone ever asked you if you wanted to accept Christ? And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I know he's going to ask me. So I, I had to think. Uh, you know, I had to figure it out. Because I also didn't want him to get credit for anything. So I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so I said... I, I thought about it really hard, and I said, you know, I don't know what I believed before, but from this moment on, I wanted to live my life for God. And that was how I committed my life to Jesus. And I didn't know that much. I'm not even sure how much of the gospel I understood. But I made that decision. And after that, the Lord blessed me. I grew spiritually. I made it through college. I got my bachelor's in computer science. I worked for a number of years uh, in IT, HR, systems administration, and project management. So I was working and building my career. And then the Lord made it known to me that I was to go into vocational ministry. And if you've never heard those words before, it just means that ministry is your vocation, a.k.a. ministry is your job. Ministry is your bread and butter. That's your whole life. And I didn't want to do it. Um, if you heard the story of Jonah, um, <laughs> not everyone who the Lord calls to do something just jumps up in enthusiasm to do it. So that was me. Uh, and just to make the story a little shorter, God had a lot of patience and grace for me. Um, eventually, I made my way to seminary. That's like grad school for pastors. Graduated with my Master of Divinity, and now I work to help people know who Jesus is. So praise God for that. Praise God for that. Um, I am going to continue sharing with you what the Lord has shown me in my journey. But as Pastor Justin mentioned, it's going to come out in three parts. So I'm preaching today, next week, and the week after that. So three parts. Today we are going to talk about God's mission. Next week we're going to talk about Jesus' commission. And on the third week we're going to bring it home. We're going to talk about our unique mission as the church in New York City. So if you guys are down with that, why don't we pray? 
Father God, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this space where we can gather together to worship you. We thank you for your word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will illuminate it for us this morning, that we will understand your purposes, who you are, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the writer of this psalm. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, or I don't know why we always say this, the phone Bible, <laughs> turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 67. If you're using your phone, just tap to Psalm 67. You could also follow on the screen. Now, the, now the word Psalms is another word for songs. The book of Psalms, the ESV study Bible, which is a great Bible, it calls it the hymn book for God's people. Psalms is a collection of poetry and songs that people in ancient Israel used to worship God. I just want to give a quick shout out. I know Winnie's doing devotionals on Psalms all summer. Taylor and Katie have a Bible study going on in Psalms every week. Uh, okay, so back to this. <laughs> Psalms is the hymn book for God's people, a.k.a. it's like the lyrics PowerPoint for God's people. And it's included in our Bible because through it we can learn more about God. We can connect with the people of God in the past and how they worshipped him. We can learn words that we can use to express how we feel in our relationship with God. So I'm going to read from the ESV. You guys stick with whatever translation you feel most comfortable with. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So right off the bat in verse 1, we see that this psalm, this song, is also a prayer. Israel says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, I recently became a mom. So when I read this verse, all of a sudden, I had this image. So when babies are born, they're kind of like potatoes, right? Like they come out, they can't do anything, they're just kind of lying there, they can't smile, they can't barely see anything. But the little that they see, you know, their blurry eyes, the little that they see, what do they see? They see their parents, they see their relatives, they see friends just smiling down at them just beaming, just loving on them. That's all they see. And that's when I read this, that's what I think Israel is saying. Israel is saying, be gracious to us, bless us. May your face shine on us. Just love on us. But here's the kick. Oh, uh, shine on us. These words are not original to the psalmist. This, these words are not original to Israel. These words actually came from God himself. So, in another book, the book of Numbers, Numbers records the history of God calling his people together. He's forming them into a nation. This is after Egypt. And God tells Moses to tell Aaron and the Levites to tell Israel, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Sounds familiar, right? So God has already said, I'm going to bless you. I'm gracious to you. My face, it's shining on you. And Israel in this psalm is singing, yes, <laughs> bless us, be gracious to us, shine upon us. But here's the kicker. Verse 2 starts off with that. Bless us and be gracious to us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. That little conjunction, that word that. So in Hebrew or Greek, it's often translated as that or so that or in order that. Whenever you see that in your Bibles, you know, if you write in your Bibles, highlight that, underline it, circle it. Because those little words mean so much. They connect two ideas. It shows the purpose for the first idea is in the second idea. And you can't separate those two things. So I'll give you an example. So this week, the worship team practiced so that we could worship together this morning. Uh, this morning, the hospitality team, praise God, woke up early to buy us bagels. <laughs> that we could have breakfast together. So you see how the purpose is in the second statement is from the first? You can't just say, nobody's just buying bagels just to buy bagels. There's a purpose to it. And here, one and two are connected. May God be gracious to us and bless us that, that what? That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Israel is saying, bless us so that the nations might know who you are. This, again, is not an original idea. This also came from God. This came from God who made a promise many, many, many generations ago. So in the book of Genesis, God calls a man named Abram, also known as Abraham. This is way before Israel even existed. He calls this man named Abram. He says, go from your country to the land I'll show you, and I will make you into a great nation. That becomes Israel. That's Israel. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God told Abraham that he was going to bless him and his family, this nation of Israel, so that they will be a blessing to all the families on earth. And Israel knows this. Israel knows this is a promise that God had said. Israel knows God did not say this just to make themselves special, but that they were part of God's mission to reach all the nations on earth. You know, often we hear Israel is known as God's chosen people. Who are they chosen for? They were chosen to proclaim God to all the people groups on earth. And I say people groups, why? Because before we move on, we have to talk about what nations are. When God says that uh, he is going to reach all the families on earth, when Israel is singing that his saving power may be known among all nations, who are these nations? Well, before God calls Abraham, before God calls Abraham, there's a small story that Bishop Matera actually brought up last week, if you were paying attention. Uh, it was about early humans who wanted to make a name for themselves. 
they wanted to make themselves known. So they gathered together to form a city and make a tower to heaven. You guys know this? It's the Tower of Babel. God comes down in judgment, and he's like, nah. And he confuses all their languages. He confuses their language. So they can't talk to each other anymore. And they end up scattering all over the earth. So now they live all over the place, and they all speak different languages. And they eventually make different cultures and different groups of people. This is after the great flood. So this is Noah and his descendants. Noah and his family spread out, speaking different languages. They form people groups that, you know, sometimes we read scriptures, we kind of gloss over Canaanites, Gadites, Cushites, Egyptians, you know, all those words that we never, Perizzites, you know, all those words that we skip, that was Noah's family. And right after Babel, right after all these people groups are created, then God calls Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and in you, all these families, all these groups will be reached. Now, uh, will be reached. Um, one second. So nations <laughs> does not mean, when you read the scriptures and you read nations, it doesn't mean like countries. It doesn't mean like geopolitical boundaries, like we're not talking about like Canadians <laughs> or Americans, you know? Because living in America, we know people come from all different places, right? You might be living in the Bronx, but your heart's in Puerto Rico. You know, those are your people, right? Um, India, not all Indians are Hindus. India has like a bazillion people groups. You got Indians who are Hindus, Indians who are Muslim, Indians who are Christian, shout out Amanda. <laughs> There are different people groups in India. So it's not just Indians. In Yemen, in a country like Yemen, uh, a lot of places are still very tribal. So if you live in a village, who you are is what, where, what your family is from. Who's your father? Who's your tribe? Who's your village? That's a people group. So God is saying that in Abraham, all these people groups are going to be blessed. He calls them families in Genesis. Here, uh, it says nations. So keep that in mind. Because Israel, the Israelites, even after Israel was destroyed, they were still called the house of Israel. They're still Israelites, even though there's no nation, there's no country of Israel anymore. So what does it mean? So in this psalm, Israel is singing, be gracious to us, bless us, that what? Two things. That your way may be known on earth, and your saving power among all nations. So what is that? What is God's way? What is God's way? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, Moses says, You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Deuteronomy 10.12, What does the Lord God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So walk God's way is God's path. It's God's commandments. It's how God wants you to live. And Israel was commanded, walk in God's way. Follow this. Love him, serve him, and obey him. Walk in this way. Walk in his path. Why? Why should the, why should the Israelites do that? Moses explains in Deuteronomy 4. Four, six. He says, keep them and do them. So he just gave them the commandments. He says, keep them and do them. 
for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear of all these statutes, when they hear of all these laws that you follow, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Moses continues, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law I set before you today? Israel following God's commandments shows the people who God is. The way that they live, the way the laws that were given to, to the Israel from God is so that the nations can see, the people groups can see, oh, that's Israel, that's how they live. And that's, and that's their God. So let's bring that down today. Let's bring it to today. There are people groups and there are cultures who don't know God. And they are looking at us as the Christian church. And they are understanding God by the way that we are living. By the path that we are walking. So last year... Uh, my husband and I, we had a lot of barbecues. Uh, that was before we had a kid. <laughs> and we had some women from Saudi Arabia over uh, for a barbecue. We also had some men and women from Yemen. And my husband was running the grill, but he was also cleaning up. He was also setting up, you know, just regular hospitality stuff. And then later on, the conversation got a little heated because uh, they started talking about men and women's roles. We love how, how not controversial that is, right? So, <laughs> so we started talking about that. And the women started complaining. They're like complaining about how patriarchal their culture was, how the men treat the women. And then one of them says, look at Tiffany's husband. He helps her. And I was like, oh. I was like super embarrassed. But I was also really proud. Because they had seen something in us that they had not experienced in their culture. And they were experiencing something and seeing something the way that we live because this is the way God has called us to live. So in Ephesians 5, we know that God says uh, that husbands love your wives as your own bodies. Nourish her, cherish her. This is how a Christian marriage works. So when they see my husband like picking up paper plates, they're like, oh, wow, that's different. That's something different we haven't experienced. And that is because we are walking in the way that God has called us to walk. Now let's, let's jump to uh, the New Testament. Let's jump to the New. We've been in Israel for a long time. We've been in the Old Testament. What does the New Testament say about God's way? Jesus himself, the Christ, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. When we, when we pray that the nations would know, that these people groups would know God's way, it's not only knowing, oh, this is a righteous God with righteous ways who call people to good marriages. It's also knowing about the way to salvation. And the way to salvation, Jesus says, is through himself. The second part of verse 2 says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Israel saying, bless us so that the nations may know of your saving power, your offer of salvation. In 1 Kings, King Solomon 
There's a story where King Solomon finishes building up the temple of God. And he's dedicating this temple. So he prays to God, and these are his words. He says, when a foreigner, who is not of your people Israel, when he comes from a far country for your namesake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. Solomon is praying to God, God, when someone comes from a far country, someone who doesn't know you, when he comes and prays, answer his prayer so that all the peoples on earth can know who you are. That is an amazing prayer. How often do we pray that people who aren't Christians, God, answer their prayers. Answer their prayers so they know who you are. God, please. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was doing a Bible study with an international student from China. She had never heard the gospel before. And I wanted her to understand the gospel through the scriptures. So we were doing a Bible study. We were going through the prophecies. She was learning about the Messiah coming. She knew about Jesus. She knew Jesus. She knew Jesus died for our sins, etc. But she couldn't make the connection. She didn't know why he would come until she read John 3.16. So in John 3.16... Uh, Jesus says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that it might be saved through him. And then she got really quiet. She got really quiet, and she was like, oh, God does not want people to die. And the way she said it struck me. Because it was so simple. I was like, yes, that's right. God does not want people to die. In this psalm, Israel is praying that his saving power, his offer of salvation may be known to all the nations, to all the families, to all the people groups on earth. May they know that God does not want them to die. God has sent his son to redeem them. God is offering his salvation to them. May they know that. May they know that. Now, as these people groups begin to know God, they also receive the benefits of knowing God. They also receive his blessings. This is a really happy psalm. Uh, verses, what verse are we up? Verses 3 and 4 says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. They're rejoicing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine every people group on earth worshiping and praising him. Why are they doing that? Why? For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. And it says that God judges the people with equity. It's another way of saying God judges people fairly. God is a God of justice. And God's justice is talked about again and again in the scriptures. Um, Deuteronomy 10:18 says he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Psalm 103, 
The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. God is a God of justice. He stands up for those in need. He stands up for those who are oppressed. God also judges fairly, which means he's also going to judge the oppressors, which means people who are doing wrong and people who are doing evil, they don't get off scotch-free. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says, I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh. And they shall be drunk with their own blood as with wine. Then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. As the nations come to know God, they will also know this God of justice. This God who helps the oppressed, punishes the oppressors. Uh, a long while ago, I was on a short-term trip to India. And I was living in the slums. And if you know what the slums of India look like, uh, they're pretty much like the poorest of the poor, of the urban poor in India. And we met a man there who, was, uh, who had converted from Hinduism to Christianity. Now he was sharing his testimony with us, and he was saying that the house that they lived in, now this is a slum, so a house is not like a house. It's like one room. It's like four walls. And he lived there with, uh, it was himself, his parents, and his sisters. They lived in this house, and it was falling apart. So the house was falling into disrepair, and the landlord refused to fix it. The owner refused to fix it. And he said, with tears in his eyes, he said that, yeah, we live next to the garbage dump. So when it would rain, our house would flood, the one room that they lived in. And he said that he went to all these Hindu temples, he prayed to all these Hindu gods for his situation to change, for something to happen, and nothing would change. And then he heard about Jesus, and he started to pray to Jesus. And soon after he started praying to Jesus, a woman came, I think it was his mom's friend or something, and said, hey, I have another house. There's another house that you guys can move to. Praise God. So he was able to move, and he, and he said that was because of Jesus. Jesus changed my situation. See, he met the God of justice. He met the God who was going to help him. What's another reason why the nations are rejoicing? Because as the nations hear of God, as they know God, it also says he guides the nations on earth. He guides them. The Hebrew word for guide also is often translated as to lead. It's the same word used when Israel was lost in the wilderness and God guided or God led them in a pillar of fire by day. Oh, I'm sorry, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God was guiding them. God was leading them. So Israel knows this God. Israel knows this God that has guided them. And they're singing, let the nations know that you guide them. How does God guide? In Psalm 31, it says, You are my rock and my fortress. For your namesake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. God guides people groups to safety. God protects them from harm. He guides them like a shepherd. In Revelation 17, 17, it says, The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. Why would the nations rejoice? Why are they singing for joy? Because God is protecting them. God is their shepherd. Finally, the psalm ends with a stanza of assurance. It says, the earth has yielded its increase. 
God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The earth has yielded its increase. That's kind of a funny phrase. It just means the harvest has come. I know we don't really get agricultural metaphors in the city, so it's like the subways are working. The <laughs> blessings have come. God, our God, shall bless us. The ends of the earth will fear him. So this psalm was written a long time ago. And they are singing this. They are praying, bless us so the nations will know you. They're saying the nations will rejoice because you guide them, because you protect them, because of your salvation. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have been made known to many people groups beyond Israel. The Messiah, Jesus, came. He trained disciples. He sent them out. So they became apostles. All the people who followed Jesus went. They scattered. Even amidst persecution, they were proclaiming the gospel to different people groups. Paul becomes Christian. He starts proclaiming to non-Jews, to Gentiles. In church history, the Emperor Constantine, he becomes Christian. All of a sudden, the official religion of Rome is Christianity. Let's fast forward. In the 19th century, the church wakes up and says, hey, I think we're still supposed to be doing this. So in the 19th century, the church starts sending out missionaries. Suddenly, there's white people showing up in China. There's white people showing up in all these places proclaiming the gospel. And all these people groups, they start preaching the gospel to each other. They start, there's a, there's a girl that I met recently, the past few weeks. She's in Jordan right now doing a research project on Latinos reaching out to Arabs. The gospel is being spread from people group to people group all over the place. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean? Israel knew that the blessing that God had promised to give to Abraham and his family, to them, was not to end with them. They knew that they were chosen, but not just to be special, not just to be the apple of God's eye, but so that they could proclaim God. So in the sight of all the pagan people with their pagan worship and idol worship can see them and know who God is. So what does that mean for us? So who are we? So if God blesses his people so that other people groups can know him, how do we, as the people of God now, how do we declare, how do we proclaim God to cultures and people groups who have never heard the gospel before us. I'll give you some ways. Uh, first, we can show people who God is by the way we live. We show them by our lifestyle. If Jesus has told us, if God has told us to love our neighbors, and we love our neighbors, we love our immigrant neighbors, suddenly they come to America and they're like, oh, Christians aren't what I thought they were. Like, they, this group is so much nicer to me than the atheist next door. I don't know, I, whoever's next door. But these Christians, they live differently. Maybe, maybe their God is different. The way we love each other in community. Jesus says we will know, that the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love each other. A lot of times people come into Zion for the first time and they're like, there's so much love here. And they're going to know, yeah, because that's what God has called us to do. That's God's way of living. 
especially the things that God calls us to do that's counter to what the world says is logical. Jesus said to love your enemies. Now, there is so much hate. We know this. There is so much hate out there right now, so much hate. And people are like, you should hate. You should hate them because they're oppressing us. They're doing this. But then if Jesus says love your enemies, how do we show that? How do we show, no, that's not God's way. No, I disagree with him. I think he's filth, but I love him. (laughs) I love him. (laughs) I love him, and I pray for him, and I want him to know the gospel. How else? We testify to God's salvation, God's saving power, when we open our mouths and we speak the gospel that we have received. We have received God's blessing. We have received Christ in our lives. But we don't open our mouths to share it. How do we show the nations, these people groups, these cultures, that Jesus is alive, that he died on the cross and rose on the third day, that we are reconciled with the Father because he has taken away our sins? You can walk the best way you want to walk. You can love them as much as you love them. But if you don't share with them, if we don't share that God's saving power, that God's salvation is for them, that God does not want them to die, they will not know it. They will not know it. You know, in New York, it's like the gospel of tolerance, right? Because we got so many different people. It's like, you do you, I do me. You believe what you want, I believe what I want. And we just, we coexist, right? You guys see that bumper sticker? Coexist. But in a lot of other cultures, that's just table talk. Of course you talk about religion. Of course. Don't you care about me? Like you should tell me what God says. And a lot of times what keeps the blessings of the gospel from other groups is just us, is our fear. We show people that God is a God of justice when we pray for and we demand justice among all the people groups. We pray that God will do what he wants to do. He is a God of justice. He judges fairly. We pray, may you correct the injustice that is happening around the world. There's a famous quote. I don't have the citation, but it's an old quote. You'll know because it says that when you pray in your prayer times, you should have your Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other because you should know what's going on around the world. And we don't use paper newspapers. Maybe some of us do, but I don't use one. So I should have Google News. Up on my screen in my prayer times, I should have the international tab open so I can know what is going on in Sudan, what is going on around the world, what's going on in Syria, what's going on in Yemen, what's going on in Libya, what injustice is happening because of the fall, because of sin, and how can I join with God to correct it? How can I pray that God Correct what is going on. Help the oppressed. Let them know that you are there for them. We should also be praying that God would guide the people groups to safety. And that includes people like refugees. That includes like the people coming up at our borders. That these people groups that are coming from El Salvador, from Honduras, that they are risking their lives to come to safety. We should pray, God, guide them to safety. God, guide their governments, guide their leaders, guide our government. Are you praying for our government? Uh, First Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we, that, 
we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. It's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Why? Because God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul tells Timothy, pray for the kings. Pray for people in authority so that there is peace, so that people can know who I am. We can't proclaim, church, we cannot proclaim God to all these people groups, to all these cultures, if we don't know who they are. And I know, I know, because it's going to come out maybe in the third week, when you grow up in New York, this is normal. This is normal. We walk around, we walk around with blinders on. You ever see, like, those horses in Central Park? They got, like, these little shades on so they don't see the traffic. That's, that's how we walk. <laughs> We got to walk to the train. We got to walk. Homeless person, don't see it. <laughs> Every person that we walk by, we don't see. We don't see where they came from. We don't see what people group they are from. And so how can we pray for them? Uh, on Zion's app, uh, Mighty Networks, uh, you might have seen, if you check it every day like I do, uh, David Gilbert posted next week, we are going to be praying for our neighborhood. We are going out for a prayer walk. How many of you have been on a prayer walk? Prayer walk? So when you prayer walk, you walk with your eyes open. So you don't walk into a mailbox. But <laughs> you walk with your eyes open also, also so you could see who to pray for. You see a woman, maybe she's a single mom, maybe she's not, but she's struggling because she has four kids. And she's married to a pastor of a church in Bay Ridge. <laughs> And you see her, <laughs> you see her, and you pray for her. <laughs> Maybe you don't, you don't have to stop her, you just pray. You pray for her, you pray for God to bless her family, you pray for God to bless her people. You might walk into, uh, we got delis, we got Polish delis in Bay Ridge, you walk in there, you pray for the Polish people. We got Egyptian uh, restaurants, seafood restaurants, pray for Egypt. Pray for the Egyptians. We got Yemen Cafe. Pray for the Yemenis. Pray for what's happening in Yemen. Pray for the war to end. We're going to walk around. We're going to cover our neighborhood with prayer. And we're going to bless them because God has blessed us. And we're also going to bless ourselves because for the first time, these New Yorkers are going to open their eyes. For the first time, we are going to see all these people that we ignore every single day. Because all we care about is going to the bodega. We don't even know that the guy in the bodega came from a country that's falling apart. We don't know that. So next week, respond on the app. Uh, David, maybe David can raise his hand. If you haven't met David, that's David. He's organizing that. Oh, and Psalm 67 shows us that God's mission was not just to redeem Israel. It wasn't to redeem Israel. It was, to it was to bless Israel so that all the people groups can know who he is. So our challenge now, you know, there's a ministry called uh, Wycliffe. Wycliffe, it used to be called Wycliffe Bible Ministries. I think they changed their name. But they focus on Bible translation. So the original scriptures were written in Hebrew and Greek. According to their website, 
the Bible, the whole Bible, has now been translated to 683 languages. Praise God. That means 683 languages people can read the Holy Scriptures in. There's still 2,163 languages left. Zion, I want you to look around because I know people come into this church and they're from out of town. They're like, oh, it's so diverse. <laughs> and we are. We are. But we're not done. Zion Church, what's our tagline? It's a city to come. We're not at Zion. We're not at Zion. This city is not here yet. We don't have people from every tribe, from every people, from every language here worshiping the true God of Israel. We don't have that yet. So church, our challenge, and we're going to get into this in the next two weeks, our church is going to see how can we be part of God's mission? How can we be part of God's mission? God wants to redeem all of his creation, all of it. All of creation belongs to him. All these people groups that were scattered, all of them, he desires for them to know who he is. So why don't I close in prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, that Israel knew your mission. We thank you, Lord, that you did not abandon us. We thank you, Lord, that you did not leave us after the flood. You did not leave us at Babel, that you had a plan to find us. And Lord, we thank you for calling Abraham. We thank you for blessing Israel. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending out the apostles, for calling Paul to salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you have done so that we can know who you are. We thank you, Lord, that there are people groups hearing the gospel at this very moment, people who are hearing the gospel for the first time, who have never heard it in their lives, that they may know of who you are, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would help us here, our small group here in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, Lord. We pray that you would help us know how we can be part of that. How can we join you in your mission, Lord? How can we not walk around blind, but be awake to the work that you are doing? Lord, we pray for our church. We pray that you would empower us with your spirit. You would empower us with your gifts and empower us with boldness to preach, boldness to share, and boldness to live the way that you have called us to live. Until all nations, all the people groups, all the families on earth are praising you and rejoicing, rejoicing for what you have done. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.